Welcome to How to Rock the Stage Show, a show committed to equipping you to hone your media skills better to stand out from the crowd as a go-to expert in your field. Each week, Rich Montreger interviews top leaders, influencers, authors, speakers, podcasters, and media professionals about how to leverage media best to help you shine brighter on camera and stage as a go-to expert. Now, here's your host, The Trigger, Rich Montreger. Welcome back to another Wednesday edition of How to Rock the Stage. I'm The Trigger, Rich Montreger. Hope you're having a great week. The weekend's coming, but it's not just any other weekend. How many of you got a vacation time, a break, an extra long weekend coming up? Yes. Uh, take some time, enjoy it, have some fun, get back out there, uh, and come on back next week for another great show. But tonight, you are in for a super show, and it's extra super because it's not the show we had planned for you. <laughs> One of the things about running a live show is you never know what's going to happen. Um, I've said it many times. I love live. It's challenging sometimes when you have things change, uh, but it's also fun because you get surprises like tonight. We get a wonderful surprise that I think you're thoroughly going to love because we all have challenging times in our life. We all have things that are tough. And this is a story of overcoming and highly success as well. By the way, we do want to mention how to rock the stage is probably sponsored by the National Speakers Association. Today, I was behind the stage with the NSA running their half-hour show, hosting that. And earlier this week, I was working with them on Monday and Tuesday with their Facebook groups, the NSA. If you're a speaker, connect with them, learn about them. They will help you level up your game in many, many ways. So thank you to the National Speakers Association by making this all possible. But tonight we're going to take a pen. You're going to take back your pen and write your own story with Paul Fortune. Tonight my guest is helping his clients rewrite their stories and take control of their lives. And this is an amazing story. Paul was born with cerebral palsy. And it was so severe that his doctors told his mother he would never be able to walk. Thank goodness his mom didn't really pay attention, listen to it. Uh, he had a wonderful mom with a great mindset. And that wasn't, it wasn't going to be his story. He was able then to overcome it and now is able to live a very active life. In fact, it wasn't easy. But however, he is up and running in amazing ways. Today, he's a mindset coach. Paul shares his story with his clients. I help them rewrite their own stories get after their true dreams and desires. Welcome, Paul Fortune, to How to Rock the Stage tonight. Hey, Rich. How are you? Great to have you with us tonight. And that is an amazing life story of overcoming. I'm looking forward to getting into another one of these defy the odds stories, but not just to defy the odds. You're, you're rocking the stage, man. Yeah, it's been a it's been a wild journey to get to this point. Um, a lot of ups, a lot of downs. Uh, when you work for yourself, you know sometimes you really got to take time for yourself and really look at the big picture. And I've I've learned that throughout my my journey. Before we get into deep meat here about the pen and taking that all back, I'm just kind of curious of some of your journey uh, when when the doctors and how old were you when this all came around your family? Were you a very young child? Was it? like early adolescence, when, when did this all come about? So um, first, let me explain cerebral palsy, if you, if you don't know anything about that. But basically, it happens at, at birth. It's lack of oxygen in the brain at birth. And a result of the lack of, lack of oxygen into the brain at birth uh, can leave one side of the body paralyzed, and it can affect your speech. And there's different severities to it, um, but you have it for life. It does not go away. 
And so when I was born, I wasn't moving the right side of my body very much. And naturally, my mother was very concerned about that. So she took me to the doctors to get testing done. And that's when they diagnosed me with uh, cerebral palsy. And this first doctor thought that cerebral palsy was so severe that he thought I would never, ever be able to walk. And it would be a good idea for me to get in a wheelchair when I got to a certain age because that was going to be my life going forward. And you completely proved them wrong. And a lot of the credit you say goes all back to your mother and the beginning of learning about mindset. So did you realize how much she was doing that to you? Or did that come kind of after the fact? You realized that my mom was really working on this so hard with me. Well, I've had conversations with my mom when she heard that diagnosis, right? I mean, naturally, she was devastated to hear that her baby boy was not going to be able to walk, you know, cried herself to sleep wondering what the life was going to be for her, for, for me. Um, but she said that uh, the next morning when, when I woke up or when she woke up and she got me ready for the day, I'm an infant. I can't, I can't talk at this point. Right. Yeah. And, and she gave, uh, I gave her a look, a look to say, mom, don't let this be my story. I want to walk. And that mama bear inside of her started roaring. So she got a second opinion, a third opinion, a fourth opinion, a fifth opinion, finally found a physician willing to help. And with this physician's help and me doing physical therapy five to six times a week and my mom's unrelentless attitude to make sure I was walking, I was walking between age two and three, a feat that four of the doctors thought was going to be impossible. I was doing. So, wow. Yeah. I, I mean, I owe, owe lots to my mom. Matter of fact, right after that soccer, right after, right after, you know, that was going on, I don't really remember that, but I remember putting put into soccer and um, at the time, I probably could run about 25 to 50 yards before my leg would give out. Yeah. So I'm basically standing there on the soccer field while kids are playing soccer around me. And I remember one day after practice, I was going to go to my mom and I was going to tell my mom, you know what? I want to quit. I'm not having fun. This is done. I'm going to not do this anymore. But I'll remember what my mom told me because I hold it true to this day in my personal life and in my business. Um, I went to my mom. I said, I want to quit. My mom said, if you don't want to play soccer, remember that's okay, but you have to honor your commitments. So you need to finish out that soccer season. And if you don't want to play soccer after that, that's your prerogative. So I'm 42 and I haven't played soccer since, but I've honored my commitment. <laughs> and that that's due to, due to my mom. And I could go on and on about how great my mom is. So yes, I know what my mom has done for me and to that she's still alive to this day and how much she still has done for me. I, I, I think your parents and my and your mother would have all gotten along just great. We was the same thing in my family. Yeah, you can drop out, but you're not really stopping. You have to honor it. Uh, that's great life lessons. What is this whole thing about? What have you done to take back your pen? Can you explain that? Yeah, because all through my life, people have wanted to take the pen from me, starting with the doctor, and write the story for me. And all through my life, I said, nope. Giving back my pen, I'm going to write my, my story because I, I've gone through quite a bit, uh, especially as, as, as a kid, uh, because with the cerebral palsy, I walk with a little bit of a limp and I hold my right arm differently. So I've gone through quite a bit all the way to where I'm at now as a, as a, as a coach and a speaker. But every, every moment, every stage of my life, it's been the same thing. Somebody take it, trying to take the pen and me saying, nope. I'm going to bring it back. And if you want, I can go into that a little bit or, or what, ha what have you. No, no. I, again, 
as those that have been viewing for a long time follow along, they know about my stutter. They know about my medical upbringing. They know about my liver failure and transplant several years ago. So I've had the Rocky Road as well. And that's why I love hearing different viewpoints of how people defy the odds, how they say, no, not me. Or, you know, again, you can't write my story. Let me go write it myself. So go, go just a little bit deeper on that because I think people are fascinated by different approaches of how to overcome. Okay, so right after that soccer season, I had surgery on my right foot. It was to tighten up the tenant, give me a little bit more spring in my step. And this, this surgery that I, that I had was a game changer. I didn't know how big of a game changer it was until I switched schools. And I remember my first day of PE, physical education. We did our stretches. And the teacher says, okay, guys, run a lap. And I'm thinking to myself, here I go again. I'm going to run 25 to 50 yards. I'm going to have to stop. These kids are going to see that, and they're going to start to tease me. But because of the surgery, it was different. I was able to go past that point where I normally have to stop. And I remember saying to myself, come on, Paul. Come on, buddy. You got this, bud. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. And I finished the lap with the other kids. On the outside, it kept it cool. But the inside, I was like, yes, 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 yes. The first time in my young life where I fit in, I didn't stand out. Things did get easier for me because of that surgery, but I wouldn't consider them easy. Uh, Roughly when I was about 11 or 12, my parents got divorced, and I had to switch schools. So I went to this new school, and that's a tough age to switch schools at. Middle oh, school, yeah. junior high, whatever you want to call it. Kids are becoming teenagers. They're, become, uh, they're having hormonal changes, and a lot of them have been going to school with each other for years and years and years. So they've already formed their cliques, so, so it's hard to break in even if you don't have anything, uh, any type of disability. But I, I – not only am I a new kid, but I walk with a limp and I hold my right arm differently. So when I got into this new school, I was bullied, teased, spit on, tackled on. You name it, they yeah. did it to me. I, I could not break in. I could not make any any friends with the, with this, this group of kids. And while this is going on, I was raised Catholic. So my mom wanted me to go to Catholic high school. So I had to take an assessment test to see where they were going to place me when I got to high school. Well, Rich, I must have bombed that test because when I met with the principal and with my mom, the principal tells the both of us that she's going to put me at the lowest level possible and she does not expect much from me because I don't seem like I'm going to be college material. After one test, this principal says this to me. I go back to a school where I'm getting bullied and teased at. Mm -hmm. I'm crying myself to sleep most nights. Going, Why me? Why do I have to go through this? Why can't I just be like everybody else? I don't know what came over me, but the start of eighth grade, the year before high school, I was just sick and tired of feeling angry and sad all the time. I knew deep down those weren't my go-to emotions, but because of the environment I was in, those were the emotions that were coming up most of the time. So I thought, what if I, I set a goal for myself so I could, I could focus in on that and that would distract me from all this outside noise that I'm, I'm facing? And I'm thinking, well, what kind of goal should I set for myself? And at the time, I loved baseball. So I said, what if I try to make my varsity baseball team in high school? So I started playing fall ball, winter ball, spring ball. And if I wasn't doing that, I was throwing a tennis ball against the wall. And while this is going on, I, a coach comes to me and sa says, Paul, man, you play a lot of baseball. Do you have any, any goals with this baseball stuff? And at the time, I didn't want to tell him that I wanted to make my varsity baseball team because I didn't want him to laugh at me. Somebody with cerebral palsy making a varsity baseball team, not going to happen, right? So I would shrug it off and say, oh, no, no, I just love playing baseball. But he kept asking me that question. 
finally he caught me at a weak moment and I just blurted out, I want to make my varsity baseball team. And I'm thinking, Oh no, I can't believe I just said that. He's going to laugh at me, but he didn't. He paused for a second, thought about it and says, that's doable. I'm like, what? That's doable. He goes, that's hundred percent doable, but you have to have other people keep you accountable for this goal. I'm thinking, what do you mean by that? He goes, after practice tomorrow, you're going to tell the team that that's your goal. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't do that. I don't want to do that. They just started accepting me. And if I tell them something like that, they're going to laugh at me. And he's like, Paul, there's going to be times when you're going after this goal, we're not going to feel it. And you're going to need the team, your teammates to pick you up and pick, put, uh, kick you in the butt and make you keep going. So I, I reluctantly agreed. I said, okay, I'll do it. And I'm shaking. And I get in front of the team and I tell the team my goal. And they didn't laugh at me either. Matter of fact, they clapped for me. And I know this now. I didn't know this when I was going through this. But I was changing the energy I was sending out towards these kids. I started carrying myself with more confidence, my head up, my shoulders back. And as a result of this energy that I was sending out to these kids, these kids started sending me a different energy back. In other words, instead of bullying and teasing me, they started rooting for me. So my high school career was much, much different than my uh, junior high career, all because of my energy shift. And that alone is the win. But the cherry on top of the whole thing was I was able to make my varsity baseball team as a junior and a senior. My senior year, I pitched a three-hit shutout. They they poured the Gatorade on me, and I felt so alive. And uh, I'll, I'll stop there just in case, uh, you know, you want to get. Well, the chat box is blowing up. People are okay. loving it. Say so they are absolutely yeah. loving this. One of the people, David, I'm going to bring David's comment back up here again. He said, so how do you go about actually changing your story? You've been describing some of it right now because you took it back. You, you said, I, I have a dream. You spoke in the dream. And then I think one of the best parts is someone else came alongside and said, that's doable. And when someone else says that, it's like pouring gasoline on a little ember. And the ember begins to go, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And then you go out and go do it. What else can you answer with David here on what really brings about this change? You got to want it. You got to want to change. If, if, you're, if you just say it, it's lip service, nothing's going to change. But you got a heart and soul want to change it, and that's by taking action. That's why the name of my company is called A Call to Action. I was going to mention that. That's a great name (laughs) for a guy that should not be (laughs) action-oriented. Exactly. But but that's the thing is, I mean, I I think a lot of times we're we're nervous, right, because we don't know the unknown, right? And sometimes – you know, I, I know, you know, it's good to have a plan. I, I get that. I'm all about plans. Okay. But there's some point in time where you got to stop planning and you've got to just jump off the deep end and you got to start swimming. And that's when, and that's when, and you got to be okay with failing. You got to be okay with things not going your way. Believe me, things haven't gone my way all my life, but you know what I've learned to look at them as, as more of a, a learning tur- a learning curve than, than, a, than a failure. Believe me, I've done my sen- my crying, emotional things about things not going my way. I'm a human being. But I, I, after I get all that out, I use that information to push me forward. And I just keep moving forward. And, it, and, and for me, it's that sense of regret. If I stop what I'm doing, I'm going to look forward and go, man, could I have done that? Could I have accomplished that? And that, to me, that, that regret 
is worse than anything else is, 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 is that what if shoulda coulda stuff. I want to not live that way. I want to say, you know, I gave it a go and it didn't work for me. Well, I can hold, hold my head up high and, and move forward. Well, and David's coming back and you were that power shift, the way that you took it back and the energy. Someone's going to be a catalyst sometimes. And it's amazing how often I've heard these stories, interviewed people like yourself, that the one that was the outcast becomes a catalyst for everyone else to step up, transform, go the extra mile. One minute you're the, the underdog, the next year the leader. Is that kind of how it goes sometimes when you break through and you do that? And you don't see that coming, do you? No, and then, and then it was definitely a, a gradual shift. I, I really, yeah. you know, at, at the time, and even in high school, even when I, I, I made the varsity baseball team, I really didn't think of myself as a leader. And looking back at it, I can say that I probably was a leader because whatever effort that the, that, that, that the kids had to give, I had to give more. I, I really did. I mean, it, for me to make that team, my effort had to be at a, at a level, at a highest level possible every single time. Because if I if I wasn't, there was no way of making that team. No way. No way. I'm going to do it. So um, I had to be very. I had to be more conscious of, of what I was doing, and I had to be way present, um, a lot more than some of the other kids that that had a little bit more athletic ability than I did. Because everything didn't. Things didn't come easy for me, so I really had to really be intentional about my activities. And yes, I think because of that, that's helped me in my adult life. Yes, you and I were in the green room. We were just talking about one of our common loves is Walt Disney, and you have a phrase that, that I found. It says, "If you believe, you will achieve." And Disney was all about dreaming the impossible dream, creating the dream, stepping into the dream. Growing up for me, Disney superheroes my active dream and fantasy life helped me to step into my future. Was there anything like that for you that besides your mom, everything she did, was there anything else that you pulled from that say, I resonate with that? Yes. Yeah. A, the fictional story of Rocky. I love Rocky. Uh, and I, I watched that as a kid growing up all the time, Rocky and my favorite scene. And it's the, I, I like all, I love all of them actually. Um, but one is my favorite and my favorite scene of, of Rocky was, was at the very, very end where the, it was the last round against Apollo Creed and they're, they're in a war, they're battling back and forth and they could barely put their gloves up and they look horrible. And Apollo Creed finally knocks Rocky down and you could see the relief on Apollo Creed's face saying, finally, I knocked this guy down. It's <laughs> over. And the ref starts doing the count. Yes. And all of a sudden, slowly but surely, Rocky gets back up and he yells out, come on, come on. And you can see the, the look on Apollo Creed's face, the frustration of Apollo Creed's face, like, I can't knock this guy down. He, he, he keeps coming back. And that scene just pumps me up because of that, of that grit factor that, that Rocky had. And I feel like that, that's something that I, that I take for, for my life, that, that grit. You know, it's not about... The, being the most athletic or being the most intelligent. It, it's, it's about going forward, having, having an obstacle and keep moving forward, keep going, keep going, keep going. So I relate to that story quite a bit. And sometimes those are the things that we do hold on to very vivid memories. And, you know, even as an adult, it's, it's, it's fun to be able to pull those up because they still keep helping today. Very similar to me. It was like, okay, I got it. I'm going to keep going. Uh, defy the odds was part of my speaking brand for a while. That, that was one of my keynotes was 
to find the odds sharing my story. I know you keynote. I know you go in. Who do you primarily speak to and why do you speak to the people you do? I, I speak to a couple different audiences. Um, uh, one, I, I speak to a lot of, lot of, uh, lot of mothers, a lot of parents with, with kids with disabilities. I speak with that a lot uh, because of my mom being such a wonderful uh, person that she is. So I have a lot of uh, empathy for uh, parents that, that, that are going through some of this stuff for their kids because they, they hurt for their kids. They want the best for their kids, you know, regardless of, regardless of where they're coming from. You know, parents want the best for their kids. They want that. And sometimes it's, it's a little bit challenging for some kids that are going through some physical limitations or some mental dis uh, limitations. And you hear uh, stuff from, from the medical field. And um, it may not be gospel, right? You know, like in, in my case, uh, the doctor said I'll never be able to walk. Well, I'm walking, you know. So it, there, there's cases where, where, you know, we don't need to just because, because of a medical official saying that it's true doesn't mean it's true. You know what? Science is all about experiments and experiments are all about failures. So nothing is absolute. So, you know, challenge it. Challenge it. If, 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 if a doctor says something that, that is negative about your child that you think that could be changed, challenge it. Don't don't just go with that and just and just give up. There might be other solutions to the problem. May, there may not be, but you don't want to you don't want to live in regret. If there's if there's a way to help your child, go for it. Do it. I, I can remember those early days of public speaking or trying to public speak with a stutter, try the acting and be on stage. And every time it got better and better. And then finally it kind of landed in like, I'm actually really enjoying this. This is crazy. A guy that stutters loves getting on stage. Is, is that kind of you now? Did you love the fact that you get to step up literally and walk on stage and share your story? Uh, well, I, I came from a, a background in, in mortgage sales. So I was public speaking before that. So getting into Getting into it wasn't the challenge. I'll tell you what the challenge was. Um, speaking about me having cerebral palsy was an extreme challenge for me. Because all through growing up, I wanted to bury that story. Because all I wanted to do was fit in. I wanted to be like everybody else. So the thought of me talking about me having cerebral palsy I would be put me in tears. But I, when I made the transition from speaking and coaching, I knew – the only way that I'm going to make traction in this world is if I be vulnerable. How does people open up to me if I'm not vulnerable with them? So I started telling my story through podcasts, different, different events, this and that. And at first it was really, really shaky. But after a while, I got the emotion out of it. And, and as a result of me being able to talk about it, it has catapulted me to levels I never thought I would ever be. It was interesting during National Stutter Awareness Week several weeks ago when we did a big series on that. One of my guests said, you know what my superpower is? It's my stutter. And it was like a mic drop. It was like, what a mind shift. What a radical mind shift. Is that kind of where you're at with what you've gone through? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, I think that um, me sharing my story, um, there, there's some things that are relatable to a lot of people with, with my story. And I think that maybe they may not have cerebral palsy, but maybe they were bullied in school or maybe their business didn't go well. Cause I, I talk about that a little bit. Um, so there's some things about being relatable. I think that if you get up and you t do a speech 
And it's all about, I'm, I'm a superhero now. I don't have any weaknesses. No one in the audience can relate to what you're talking about. No. You know, now that I'm a superhero, I don't have any problems. I don't get sad. I'm always happy. And, 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 and when I hear that, I'm like, come on, man. I, I, or a woman, I, 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 don't, I don't buy it, you know, and I don't relate to your story. So comment coming in from David here, and I literally like this. Says, Most doctors are completely unaware of the mind-body relationship and the power it has to alter one's reality. Do you agree with that? that? That we just don't fully understand what the mind, the heart, the spirit all can really do with somebody? I agree. I agree. I, I think that the, we're just touching the surface on the medical um, field. I, I think there's so much more for us to learn and, and to grow on. And, um, and, and we need to have the, that mindset, like I, like I said earlier, of like, uh, you know, medical field, it's all about uh, experiments. And experiments fail all the time because we're trying to get it right over and over again. So, so to say that one thing is absolute, I think that's ridiculous. I think that's anti-science, to be honest with you. <laughs> So what's next in your journey? You, you, you've come, again, it's, it sounds so trite, but you've come so far, but I know you're doing so much more. What's next on the list and on the journey? Well, I started working a lot with uh, high school athletes on, on mindset, which has been, been going, going really, really well. We're, we're building a coalition of, of great kids and, and getting it going that way, and I just want to build that. I want, I want to get to college and possibly get to pro. Um, you know, I'm just built, building the brand up. So if someone walked up to you, which I'm sure they probably have, and I'm having a hard time, the kids are picking on me. They don't understand. I'm kind of awkward, whatever. What's the best advice that Paul can give back to someone like that? I think if, if, if the kid's getting bullied and, and teased in, in school, I think the first thing that you need to do is to listen to your child. Listen to what the, your child's actually saying um, and have empathy for, for your child. Not, don't get into your problem-solving mode right away. You know, go, go down to the principal and say, ah, oh, they're them. Don't, don't do that yet. Have empathy for what the child is saying because a lot of times the child doesn't really want you to fix the problem. The child wants you to listen and have empathy for what, he or she is going through, I think is, 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 is crucial. I think that's the first and foremost thing. Listen to what your child's actually telling you first. And then after that, and, and, and evaluate the situation. And after that, then maybe take some action. But first, listen to your child talk. Well, the comments just keep coming. Our power of human beings is the mind-body relationship. And this is Aaron from Stroke TV. He is overcoming a stroke. So he's sitting there hearing your story, doing the same thing, trying to help stroke survivors tell his story. Mm -hmm. It's powerful when we put it out there and be vulnerable like you, Aaron, and others. But it is the human spirit. It is the human. We can go farther than we could ever imagine, can't we? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, vulnerability is a strength, not a weakness. And if we all can embrace that fact, yeah, things would get so much easier for all of us. I put in the chat, you have one of the biggest social media feeds I've ever had on the show. <laughs> you are active. You are really trying to, as I coach people about building your media brand, build your media presence. 
you're really going after this. Is that something that people have encouraged you to do something you're like passionate about yourself? What's, what's got you driving this? I have fun with it. I think it's the number one thing. I, I enjoy doing it. I enjoy putting up videos. I enjoy posting things on my Facebook group, the, the multiple Facebook groups that I have. I, I think it's, it's, it's fun. And what I, I try to do more than anything else, I know that, you know, a lot of people are looking to get a lot of followers and that's a great thing. I mean, I, I want a lot of followers too, but I don't want to, to do uh, content and always just think, Oh man, if I do this, will I get a follower? I want the content to speak from my heart and I just wanted it to speak from my heart. And I feel like if I speak from my heart, the right people will find me and, and come to me rather than going, Oh, should I, uh, what's the algorithm here or this and that? Because if I get into all that, then I'm not going to have fun with it anymore. And then it becomes more work. If I do it in a way where I'm having fun with it and I just post things that I like that, that resonates with me and resonates with, the, the you know the clients that I work with that's that's what I want I feel like the energy that I put out the right people are going to find me just keep being authentic just yeah. keep and it's so much and again the fun is there I I'm, I'm the same way if, if I'm not having fun I'm not doing this and I'm, I'm having way too fun so I'm, I'm not going to stop either uh you do have a book I know I do want to share this this is on your website get your phone scan the QR code you're going to want to download this, but give us a little glimpse about the book a little bit, please. Absolutely. So it's a little bit more in depth about how I was able to rewrite my story and how you can be able to rewrite your own story. It's just, it's just inspiration that, you know what, if I can do it, you can do it. The bottom line is if you have a dream, go after it, right? Like we talked about Walt Disney, he had a dream and he went after it and he didn't stop till he, till he completed it. And, Believe me, I've read his books. He failed a lot. Bankrupt three times. Uh, someone almost, well, someone did steal his first cartoon. Uh, that could have been a big hit, maybe bigger than Mickey at the time. So, yes, he persevered. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He definitely did. When it comes to taking back your pen, how would you like to wrap this up today? What, what, what does really taking back the pen mean? If you handed a pen to somebody else, what are you really telling them to do with that? You are the author of your story. So don't let anybody write that story for you. Use your pen to write the story on how you want it written. Not because of anybody else, because how you want it done. It's your life. We have one life to live. So we might as well live it the way we want to live it. Paul Fortune, what's the best, easiest way to find you between all that social media? What's the best way to find you? Probably the easiest way is through my website, and it's a call to action.coach. And again, a call to action. Great, great conversation here tonight. We could have gone for a very long time, but I thank you for being here tonight. And again, the inspiration, the, the story you got going on, uh, I would love to see where it goes and goes and goes. So thank you for taking the time to be here tonight and rock the stage. Hey, Rich, I had a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Wow. What a conversation tonight on how to rock the stage. Again, tomorrow, this will be replayed. It will be uploaded also in our audio podcast. You want to make sure you subscribe to our audio podcast. We are taking both old shows, current shows, and putting them up on Apple and many other platforms as well. So you can get caught up on other great stories, media experts, coaches, authors, speakers. You want to subscribe to this. can be a part of this. This show will be up tomorrow by 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time 
on many different streaming platforms. And I do want to uh, share with you as well, if you like How to Rock the Stage and the way we do things, how would you like to be a sponsor? The National Speakers Association is one of our sponsors, but we're looking for sponsors always to share your message through what we do here. Get featured in an episode, get posted on our podcast pages, get posted on our website, and help us continue to uh, have a great time rocking the stage every week here on Wednesday night. Hit that QR code, learn more about how you can become the sponsor, and we can have a conversation to uh, further what we're all doing here together. Again, thanks very much to uh, Paul Fortune for being our guest here tonight. He stepped in, hit a major home run uh, because of other circumstances for our original guest. This was perfect, everybody. We'll be back again next week, 7 o'clock Eastern time. We go live for How to Rock the Stage. Look for another great conversation. Join us in the conversation, and we look forward to helping you shine on camera, shine on stage, and keep rocking. We'll see you next week. <laughs>